0: This is Coda Radio, episode 558 for February 20th, 2024. Hey friend, welcome in to Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show. Taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development and the world of technology. I'm over here in the Pacific Northwest and joining us over there in Florida, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Misa here riding a getter. Oh, no. I knew it. I knew it. I had a sense. Like, everything in the pre-show was going so well. You know, I just knew he'd show up.
1: I just knew it. Well, listen, Jar Jar in Florida, I can't believe I haven't done something like that before where they cross the streams.
0: <laughs> you know, there's a lot of, like, Jar. what is Jar Jar's homeworld called? Uh, Naboo. Yeah, there's a lot of crossover there. You're right. I, when I think of Florida, I kind of
1: picture Naboo. Well, and, and the Gungans literally live in a swamp.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, now you just need some under underwater cities, and I'd visit more often. You know,
1: uh, if you want to swim in many of our fine freshwater rivers and lakes, you go ahead and try that.
0: <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. Hey, so uh, you got my interest peaked because I saw that uh, you've leveled up uh, as a stereotypical dad, and I'm you know I'm all about hearing what this is about.
1: <laughs> What's going on? So. I went on a binge of watching HBO's John Adams, uh, I think it's like a seven or eight part miniseries starring Paul Giamatti. And between that and just lots of World War II audiobooks, I, I feel like I've attained just a, a new, honestly, like, peak of dadhood here. It's just all, it's like all Revolutionary War, all World War II, all the time. And I got to tell you, it, it's like the show in particular, uh, John Adams, is, is really good. You could tell where they tried to like modernize things and have more modern sensibilities.
0: That's, that's always been on my watch list because I remember – I mean it's been forever since they made the show if I recall. But I do remember the buzz about the show being that they had all these personal notes between him and his wife Abigail mm-hmm. that they could draw from for context. Like they had so much documented in, in their own writing – that they could pull from that it was like you almost had to make a story around this.
1: Yeah, it, it it was it's really well written. Like if you've ever like read some of his letters, he he was kind of a pompous asshole and they they do carry that through pretty well.
0: He was a he was a man of strong conviction. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Are you getting the vibes though? I'm wondering watching a show like that. Do you get the whole Hard times create strong men, strong men create good times, good times create weak men, weak men create hard times. Like, are you getting those vibes watching this? Because that's what would be going through my head, I think.
1: A little bit. There's a whole subplot about his sons where, you know, John Quincy, who, spoiler, also becomes president, right? Is definitely less tough than his father, but more. You know he he does his duty. He's got that like very Protestant, you know, uh, Pilgrim's Progress work work ethic, where his younger son Charles uh, just loves that hooch, baby, and has some troubles.
0: Well, you're kind of making. I don't know how you do this, but you're making me kind of want to watch it. Dang it!
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. Like they they, I think the guy who plays Ben Franklin is hilarious, and he's been in a ton of other shit too. I can't I can't remember off the top of my head, but uh, he's. He's just so funny, and he's, like, always running around with women, and it's a pretty, like, they don't, they don't glamorize too much.
0: We, we usually do the show talk at the end of the show, but I want to add one more thing. Sure. And I know I've mentioned it to you, but I've been watching, I'm on the last season, it's four seasons, of Westworld, an HBO show that started mm. years ago. But what is really fascinating to watch a show like this years after it's done is to see how far ahead they were on AI and... AR glasses and some of this tech that we're talking about today is integral to the story plot. And then the idea of like these AIs becoming something bigger that you could even move between different host bodies or maybe different systems that store it and kind of moving those intelligences around. And it's a pretty pretty fun show for our current times. I think it actually holds up maybe better now than it did where maybe it seemed more fantastical when it came out. So that's Westworld. It is an HBO show, so I'm not sure how you get your – Get your hands on it. But I guess those two HBO shows we're plugging. <laughs> we, you know, they should send us a check. Except for we just gave it away for free.
1: Subscribe to Hulu, Max, whatever that the there hell you,
0: yeah. it is. Um, one more thing. One more thing.
1: Fun will now commence. Yes.
0: Somebody out there went to the hard work of taking a quick time event-based game, The Borg. It's a Star Trek series. And they have not only up it and cleaned it up. But they've made it a web app that you can play on any device. We'll put a link to this, in the show this, notes. Uh,
1: this unsung hero.
0: Borgremastered.com.
1: Yeah, so for, for, for the youngins out there, there was a dark time in the 90s where the video game industry thought, hey, wouldn't it be cool if you could play a movie? Yeah. Well, it was right when, like, CD-ROMs
0: became popular. Well, you know, CD-ROMs are great for video. Right. So Apple created this great system that they called QuickTime Events. Oh, God. So all of these were QuickTime Player based too, which was awful on Windows. Just awful.
1: I mean, I guess the closest analogy would be like those children's books that are like, "Do you open the door on the left or the right?" Page ten for the left, page fifteen for the right. What Would they call them choose your own adventure? Yeah, yeah, basically what these are, right? I mean,
0: that's a good analogy. Yeah, these are choose your own adventure. Well, life's kind of a choose your own adventure. It is a. It is though. If you're a Star Trek fan, it is a must play because it is. It is right when the the between like TNG and Voyager era, so they have the sets. It is actually produced by Star Trek staff. Uh, John Delancey stars in it, and uh, it takes place around Wolf Three Five Nine. I mean, we are really going off track here, but it's just so neat to see something like this come back. So I just wanted to mention it.
1: Yeah, and I think we all miss Stowe is really what's happening. So
0: yeah, well, and you know, I just for a moment, just to go back to the quick time event aspect of it. It's, it is really something to think now how this would be done, right? It starts with a YouTube video embed, and then they're, in, they're just playing these QuickTime events. The experience back in the 90s was you'd put it in these slow CD-ROM drives that would spin up. And if you're on Windows, so bad. they would auto start like this horrible auto start program. And if they are on the Mac, you'd, like, it'd mount it on your desktop, and it would be different for each game. And then you maybe would install some of it, but just the player aspect of it, because your drive was so small, so all the videos had to remain on the C D. So then you always had to have the C D in when you wanted to play the game because the videos were too big to store on your hard drive. Well of course that happened later, we could, but And yeah. if you were,
1: you know, poor like me and you had an aftermarket C D drive that you installed yourself in your uh, beige compact that you kept modding up, you could actually hear when you made a choice it flipping the track, right? <laughs>
0: Or like if you waited too long, it, you would spin it down and then you it would – the whole the whole UI would like kind of freeze up while it waited for the CD to spin back up so then it could have access to the disk.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I had to load in the data in a big That's, enough chunk to actually yes. know what it was doing. Yeah, it, it – Oh, or uh, the, the jank, just so much jank.
0: And now you can play it on your cell phone with an HTML app and it really shows you that is kind of neat. It is it is much much better this way, but the technology was all part of it and it was so low res. But if you're a Star Trek fan, I think it is a it's a must play. Or if you're just a fan of classical video games because I've been thinking more and more about this, like how do you preserve these types of games and software that are unique to a specific medium or technology?
1: You copy that floppy baby. Cuz see, this is going to be a problem I think for this generation of games where everything has a service. Once they killed it, I mean, we had a couple weeks ago we were talking about the, uh, we really went off the rails here, but Matrix Online, where the community came together and reverse engineered the actual back end to an MMO.
0: Well, I had the realization when I found a 3DS emulator for the MetaQuest, and I thought to myself, well, wait a minute now, how was I ever going to fully experience a 3DS Mario game again without going on eBay and buying a used 3DS? And all of a sudden in VR, it it lends itself to be the perfect place to run a 3DS emulator it's even better than when you used to play it in person and it's on a much larger screen and i thought wow without without vr you really would never be able to experience this fully again without owning the practical physical hardware
1: yeah, well, unless you're like me and just finally acquired an analog pocket there you go then i don't you can't do 3ds but you can slam yeah. in your GBA and Game Boy Color cartridges, assuming they still work and the batteries that save the games are alive, which is a big assumption.
0: Trustybook.com/slash coder. TrustEEbook.com/slash coder. A simple, easy-to-use workbook that helps you take control of your digital legacy. You can get started today, support the show, and take $10 off. Yeah, Trustybook is a digital estate planning tool by Nerd Butler. Now, hard copies are not only important for just all kinds of your new digital legacy and account information, but I think it's peace of mind, right? Being prepared is having a bit of peace of mind. And the whole idea about Trust eBook is that you can create a comprehensive plan to manage your digital estate. I mean, that's everything. Passwords, social media accounts, other important information, they're adding stuff as well. And the best part is, is you get access to that. You get to download that and use that offline. So you get that workbook, you get to keep it offline, you can feel confident that your information is private and safe. Now, they have a great design. And TrustyBook has a very, very user-friendly interface. It's easy for you, or maybe if you know of a relative or a loved one, they're going to work right through this, no problem. I think it's a must-have for anyone that wants to avoid any kind of confusion for any sort of personal or potential disaster for yourself or your business or a loved one. But I think, again, just having those hard copies means you're also not totally dependent on those cloud providers. So there's just being kind of prepared in a different kind of way as well. So if you've ever been locked out of your accounts and you thought, man, I wish I had a hard copy, well, this is your opportunity. Really handy when you're traveling. Let me tell you that, especially if you're traveling somewhere where they don't natively speak your language, having hard copies, man, it's a big deal. I've been locked out just because I'm in a different part of the world and it triggered an account security flag. So go use the coupon code coder or go to trustybook, that's trusteebook.com slash coder, and take ten dollars off of the purchase of Trusty Book. Yeah. A simple, easy to use workbook that you can download offline and document your digital world. It's finally here, it's available, and you can support the show while you take ten bucks off. You just go to trustybook.com slash coder, trustyebookcom slash coder, and we'll have a link in the show notes. And a big thank you to Nerd Butler and Trusty Book for sponsoring this episode of Coder Radio. That's trustebook.com slash coder. So Mr. Dominic had an appointment with an Apple rep since our last episode to demo the Apple Vision Pro. And um, did you bring your credit card, and how did it go?
1: I did bring my credit card.
0: Oh, you master of self-control. I'm impressed.
1: But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll not bury the lead here. I did not buy one.
0: Uh-huh, okay.
1: So it was, I have to say, I've given lots of demos and I've received lots of demos. These guys have this down pat. It was very smooth. I found it physically uncomfortable, but I think that's because I have a big head. I'm not joking. Like I did that.
0: And did you only try the one style of strap?
1: Yeah, I tried the one style. They showed me the developer strap, uh, which I still don't entirely understand what that's for.
0: I I guess if you're loading large apps onto it for testing, Mm. it's much better
1: than the wireless connection. Okay, that makes sense. So it's like plugging in your iPad instead of doing the Wi-Fi build. All right. Yep, yep. I'd like to say I have mixed feelings, but I really don't. It's no doubt impressive, but I didn't like wearing it. I, I think I had it on for like 10, 15 minutes. They had a demo MacBook set up. They were really pushing this, like where you could just, you know, the thing where you mirror the Mac into it. That's
0: got to be the biggest app for it right now.
1: I think that is the killer app right now, Like, f- especially if you're selling it to like developers or people for oh, productivity.
0: And rumor has it, internally, Apple has a build that'll do two displays from the Mac. Mm,
1: okay. I mean, I can't say it's not impressive, right? Because it, it is impressive, what it does, how it tracks your eyes is good. I can't see myself wearing one of these for any real period of time. I am, however, making a purchase Oh. of the MetaQuest 3.
0: Oh,
1: <laughs> cause I did ask one question and the, uh-huh. uh, the young lady demoing it, uh, kind of stumbled a bit. Well, I mean, we, I said, okay, so yeah, you know, I have an old quest. Oh, this is much better. I was like, there's definitely tech that's cooler. Like, what about games? Yeah. And like, there's some stuff in the Apple arcade and it's not like, by all means, it's not that like fruit ninjas there because of course they're there. Right. Um, but Quest just came out, or I don't. I don't think they developed it themselves, right? What, what, what was the name of that RPG? I was. I should have put it in the. Oh notes. yeah,
0: no, that might have been from them. They're, they do have a game lab.
1: Oh, they have a game studio.
0: Yeah, and they do. They're making a couple of the really good games.
1: Right I mean, now. it looks. I wish. Uh, oh my god, I can't. We have too much chat here. I can't scroll up fast enough. But there is a game in the Meadow Quest. It basically looks like VR Skyrim. Yeah, yeah. I'm also. I have not yet tried Supernatural, but I've seen demos and I know some folks who are, you know, dad bod aficionados such as Chris and I. And I'm thinking maybe Supernatural is worth a go. And the big thing is the Quest 3 is affordable. It's a lot easier to take a flyer on something like this that in the worst case will be a, you know, niche gaming thing that, you know, people come over, they can fool around with, the kids can play with Whereas thirty five hundred dollars is just too too much damn money.
0: Asgard's Wrath and Asgard's Wrath Two, are the two games we were talking
1: about. That's it. Yeah, Asgard's Wrath Two. That's the one. Yeah, this is so. This is both good and bad in my
0: opinion. Uh, what my so using now for a few weeks. I'm still using it. Uh, the Quest is a game's first device. That's good, and that's bad, right? If you want it only for productivity, if that's only your really goal, good, your main goal. But it's also kind of nice because it means that when you're not working, there's still a lot of stuff you can still do with that that purchase. And some of these games are fantastic and worth it alone, I think, for that. They kind of make playing games on the TV feel old and busted, in my opinion. Uh, Well, wow. So uh, have you uh, you bought it yet? Have you ordered it yet? Have you decided if you're getting the 128 or the 512, et cetera?
1: No, I'm still doing my research. I mean, my instinct is just to go big and get the 512. But will I really need it?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I I don't know if I do yet I like having that space and the nice thing is, is it does come with Asgard's wrath 2 right now so you get oh, the game't so how
1: much the game but it might yeah <laughs> okay so Asgard's wrath 2 is60 dollars so they're oh, pricing – yeah 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 okay Jeez. all right so that starts to make a lot of sense if uh also if you have never played Resident Evil 4 somehow since it can run on a toaster uh apparently it's available for the quest.
0: Well, I'll be curious to see if you try out Immersed or the screen sharing stuff to see what you think about it for working too. I'll be you know, I'll be interested to know like you try adding like some screens to it. I think Immersed is the way to go. The Immersed app.
1: Well, no. So so what I'm going to do is I'm going to just start with the Exorcist Legion VR <laughs> yeah. because I need to get some coding done and I, I need to pull a couple all nighters and I'm pretty sure the Exorcist in VR can do it.
0: I am in a weird, gross, self guilt way bullish on meta and zuck and the quest i watched an interview with zuckerberg in uh, a podcast i'll have linked in the show notes called i think morning brew and they threw a couple of hard questions at him and the zuck had some good answers first of all zoom out here for a moment i think he's working on rehabbing his image Mm -hmm. i think i think personally just watching him the mma fighting has made him more confident And as a result, he's now willing to go out and answer any question and deal with people directly. And he's a little bit better at it. And he is showing sides of himself that he hasn't shown before. And I think that's going to do well for him. But here's the things that he's pointed out or others have pointed out over the last few weeks that I think you just can't deny. Number one, in the VR race, Meta is a way nimbler company than Apple by about five years. Meta can turn on a dime and has turned on a dime a couple of times and they have internal teams that will stand up quickly apple is like turning a ginormous freight ship it takes you know it took them 10 years to develop apple vision pro 3 years to develop the home pod etc cetera, etc and they have all this momentum apple does not only that zuck is 39 tim cook's about to retire in a few years same over at microsoft same over at google He's going to outlast all these guys, and he's a founder. These other guys, they're not founders. They are second- and third-order CEOs. They've come after the people who created the companies. They're the second generation, which we just had a conversation about that. Zuck's the OG. He's 39. He's the OG, and he's more in it than ever. Additionally, they have way, way, way more chops at the social interaction stuff which is going to be a major point of contention over in the Apple Vision Pro land. And it's been a point of contention in the reviews. Neelai specifically pointed out many times he felt lonely in the headset. Well, guess who's good at social? Meta. And they've already baked it in. And they're only going to get better at that. And they're going to have the collaborative, work-together thing where you don't do it alone. And not only that, the Meta headsets, the Quest headsets, are easier to share with family members. They don't have to go through a reorientation or a guest mode and a whole thing every time like you do with the Apple Vision Pro. They're $300 to $500. So you can buy one for your team, you can buy one for your spouse if you want to do it with somebody else, etc. You can't really do that easily with the Vision Pro. So that's also adding momentum to the collaborative aspect of these. So you have Meta's nimbleness, you have Zuck as an OG founder who's 39 years old, who's at the prime of his life in shape and mental acuity and runway. Then you have the obvious, obvious lead they have with anything to do with social, and it's built into their very genetics. And then you add the price point. I mean, I'm, I'm happy Apple's made the Vision Pro, but I mean, I'm just... I put all that together, and I think Meta is going to be one of the tech companies that is really in this for the long haul. And if it doesn't work out, they'll just pivot to something that does because they've still got a cash cow making money for them all the time, and they can do that. I hate it, but I'm weirdly bullish
1: on Zuck and Meta. I feel the same way. I also just noticed perusing their catalog, xCloud is on here. It's still in beta, but so that means your Xbox Live Arcade or all those games can be. Yep. And I...
0: Oh, not just that, my friend. Um, so is Steam Link, and mm. it works like a champ. It auto-discovered my Steam Deck on my network, and I just started playing all of my Steam games inside the Quest. I was able to pair an Xbox-compatible Bluetooth controller to the Quest in about 10 seconds, and that works great. So, <laughs> you know, uh, it's it's a weird category, but I think once you've seen it, you're in. And uh, I, I feel like they got it here. All right. I want to take a moment uh, just to talk about something kind of neat that's happened here at JP. So, yeah, we've been doing podcasts since 2006 and we made it, we made it formal in 2008 and Coder came along not too long after that. So long time and never really took a break, never stopped since. And we've never really gotten noticed by any of the big podcast apps out there. They're always paying attention to the New York Times podcasts and all of that stuff. They couldn't really care about a niche that we focus on. But then Podcasting 2.0 came along, and a new generation of podcast apps came along, and a new metric to measure audience engagement came along, and that was boosts. And we've been noticed now by several of these apps because our audience boosts in with great comments, and these, uh, uh, these comments are often, like, inside the app so people can read them, and the app creators are noticing And last week, one of the co-creators of Fountain.fm reached out to me, one of the, I think, one of the great podcasting 2.0 apps, and said, you know, we've really been impressed. We think, you know, you're kind of a standout because you guys aren't a Bitcoin native show. You don't only talk about Bitcoin, but yeah, you're getting great support from the audience. You seem to get value for value. What we want to do is we want to have more listeners like yours on the Fountain app. How do we make Fountain better to attract listeners like what JB has? No podcast." apps before this have ever reached out to us. And so what we've committed to do is we're going to meet weekly every Thursday, and we're going to run through a list of anything people boost in that they would like to see added or fixed about Fountain, why they haven't switched. Tell me why you're not switching to Fountain. Ideally, I'd love you to try it out if you haven't for a little while because they've done a bunch of just banger updates. And if you could give it a go and boost in or write in and tell me why you're not switching. Ideally, if you boost in, they'll see it too. So then I don't have to like copy it for them and tell me why you're not switching or what would make you switch or maybe why you have switched. But they'll read all of that. So maybe don't make it all negative if you have something good to say. Then I'm going to meet with them on Thursday. We're going to go over it and we're going to try to bang out as many of these issues as we can. And we won't get to all of them, but maybe we'll get them on the list if nothing else. But We'll try to to bang some of them out and get things in top shape before I leave for scale, uh, which is uh, about three weeks away. So we're going to be we met last week on Thursday. We're going to meet for the next three weeks and uh, we're going to try to bang this stuff out until I leave. So I would love to invite you to go try out Fountain FM again or try it for the first time. If you haven't tell me what you like or what you don't like and then keep it because uh, in the future, probably not too long after I get back from scale, we'll be converting the Coda radio feed into a 2.0 feed and we'll be live in the app. And uh, you can just be subscribed and know when we're live and listen in if you like kind of exciting i feel i feel seen so i want to say thanks to the fountain team shout out to the podverse team too they've always been really great and worked with us it's a fantastic app as well and it's i don't know you put like 20 years of effort into something it's kind of nice when some people stand up and say hey you you kind of built a great audience over there that's right i think it was you you know they said people yeah well people that people that follow michael dominic are quality that we want using our app.
1: You know what I mean? Like I agree. They, they are folks who understand the uh, glory that is Phantom Menace, first off. And that's, that's important. That kind of taste and sophistication. You know, understanding that Jar Jar was indeed the true hero of the story.
0: So I wasn't sure I was going to talk about this this week, but I had a little realization. I have been struggling for months now with failing hardware here at the studio. Oof. I got an old rig with a drive that's about to pop. And uh, the audience has very generously donated me some used rigs, but they also have now had some drives fail on me. And they just needed infrastructure like a rack and power and networking and all of that stuff done. So there's a lot of pre-projects. And then I got it all online, and then drives started popping. So I thought, okay, well, I need to do something temporarily. And we have this – it's called like a Lacie 2 Big Thunderbolt 2 disk array. Mm-hmm. And it has two 4-terabyte disks in this kind of removable storage enclosure that has Thunderbolt 2 – and USB 3 out the back. So I think, well, all right, what could I do with these? Fa- oh, what I'll do is I'll, I'll take the data off, of the, off the failing array and I'll temporarily house it on this LaCie storage array, which 8 terabytes is what it has by default. But I thought, you know, I don't want to have another drive pop on me. So what I should do is I should probably put that in a mirror mode. It'd only be 4 terabytes, but that's still enough for just kind of what we need for right now. All right. So I look it up. Okay. All right. The only way to put this sucker into, into mirror mode is an app in Mac OS. Oh, okay. So I got to go get the Lacie raid manager app. All right. Well, I guess, I guess I'm going to need an adapter because this is Thunderbolt two and all of the Macs I have are Thunderbolt three and up. So, all right. So I order the Amazon, you know, the stupid Apple adapter from Amazon. So I wait two days. It shows up and then it sits for a little bit because like, I'm not using the Mac. So like, I didn't have it handy. And so I, oh yeah, okay. okay. I remember to bring the Mac up and hook it up. So I, I set it all down, hook it all up, download the app, install it, power up the disk thing, and the RAID manager doesn't see it. Now, mind you, I'm not here to deal with some weird Mac app and do RAID management. I just want to copy the data off the failing disk and get back to working on shows and sponsors because, like, I got a list as long as possible. Like, it's so overwhelming. I got to get back to that. So I'm like, okay, why doesn't it see it? All right, so I go look up on their support. There's like one document that says, well, if it doesn't see the RAID manager doesn't see the disk. If it doesn't see the disk, what you should probably do is update the firmware. Go download this little command line up for the Mac, and it'll update your firmware. Okay, so I download that, extract it, run it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, look at this. You're way out of date. Yeah, I don't know if this thing's ever been updated. Oof. Would you like to proceed? You know what? Let's go ahead and proceed, I say. I hit Yes. Begins the flash process, 1, 2, 5, 10, 20, 40, 50, 100%. New version prints out, firmware done. I think to myself, all right, well, the disk hasn't remounted, but let's just reboot, because if you reboot, it cuts power to the Thunderbolt bus for a moment, everything power cycles, so we'll just reboot. So I reboot the Mac, leave everything connected, comes up, the disk isn't mounted. Was mounted before I ran the raid, uh, the firmware updater, not mounted now. So I launched the RAID manager, still doesn't see the disk. I launched the firmware updater, now it doesn't see the disk array. Nothing sees, so I I okay, well, is the Mac just broken? So I unplug it from the Mac, I plug it back into the original Linux box, which did always see it. It just saw it as eight terabytes. And again, I wanted to mirror it. Plug it into the Linux box. That's gonna be the temporary spot where I store this. It doesn't see the array. I bricked the array by using their official firmware updater. Right? And I and I'm I'm rushing through all of this, and I'm I'm getting to a point where. I've got three different systems that are in some sort of failed state. And I'm like, well, how have I done this to myself? Because the tooling is really important that I use to make these shows. And I consider that to be a, you know, I want to put as much, qual- I want those to be as quality as I make the shows. But somehow I've, I've backed myself into this corner. And it's very frustrating. Very, it, it, it's made me want to just get rid of all of my infrastructure for the, for the business and put it in the cloud somehow. You know, and not deploy. I just put everything on AWS. I don't know. I don't, even, I don't even think I want, like, systems that we SSH into that have scripts or something. I don't want any of that. I'm just, I was just so done with it. And I'm like, well, how have I gotten to this point? Because I'm all about self-hosting and being reliant on my own infrastructure. And it dawned on me. I've gotten to a point where I'm so focused on the show content and revenue because of the ad winter that anything else feels like a nuisance And not only that, I can't get my ADD brain to actually think through it properly. So I'm I'm like half-assing everything by accident. I don't even realize I'm doing it because I'm not focused on it. And so I'm just going through the movements, doing the next thing that I can kind of think of without sitting down and just thinking through the entire thing. And I get myself into these situations over and over again, and I think – what, where I end up is like, well, I don't even want to do that anymore. Like, I need to, I need to not even be working on that. And I, I think there might be truth to it. Like, maybe I shouldn't be running a bunch of infrastructure if I'm just trying to focus on doing the podcast. But I don't know. What do you think?
1: I don't know. I mean, the problem is you like to, you like to tinker, though. I, I, would you really be able to give up all that sweet, sweet control?
0: Yeah. I mean, what, or the, or how I look at it as, is we can, like, jump on new things and features before mm-hmm. everybody else. And that is a thing I love to do. It's like kind of what, you know,
1: I really love to do. <laughs> I love that stuff. Sort of your thing. Yeah.
0: It, but it, God, if I'm not just burning myself out so bad and we're at a point now where we need to rebuild a lot of the infrastructure and it's like, do I want to build another tech deck kingdom? I know the problem is that we can't do what I want with services alone. But there's a part of me that just fantasizes that the only thing the business really does is make the shows, and then everything else is just done by people who focus on that. But it would never work, and it'd be too expensive too. There's that. Mm. There's the economics of it. I don't know. I, I I'm, I'm curious because I know you've done, you've dabbled self hosting. Are you still running a data center? Are you still self hosting infrastructure? No, yeah. No, see. No. No. Did you go through this?
1: Yeah. It the the ROI just wasn't what I hoped it would be, and I spent a lot of time. Hoofing it to make sure things were running or, oh, this drive died. The building lost power, right? Yeah. Or the UPCs working. It was just a lot of.
0: Here's where I get stuck. I, you know, I know somebody listening. Like, we well, just need to delegate, Chris. You need somebody else to do it. Yeah. Well, there's people on the team that I've offered and are trying. The problem is a lot of it still needs my interaction. And so it, it, it's like I, I still have to do the work now. In order to enable somebody else to do that work. And I don't have the time. Or what's even worse is I can't get my mind to focus on it because I kind of have things that are existential crises that I have to focus on. And until the crises are solved, I can't really think about, like, well, this array supports these size disks with this sector size and it's a SAS controller, but it'll take a SATA disk if I get these types of SATA disks. Like, I don't have time to sit down there and think through all that and then think which systems I want to build it out on. I just. It's, it's a wild situation I find myself in. So delegating creates more work. And then I'm subject to somebody else's schedule and timeline when they have the time and energy to work on it, which is almost always after I've been working for 12 hours or I've been working all day or whatever, or I've just done a show or I'm in the middle of doing a show. So it's like things don't really work well when I'm driven by somebody else's schedule as well. Another flaw of mine, I'm sure. But you stack them all up and I'm really in a pile now. And it's just—it's like I just don't want to deal with hardware anymore. I don't necessarily mind running the software and the services, but I'm so sick and tired of hardware. I've got three rack-mount servers in a studio that has no cooling infrastructure. It's got a piss-poor power setup that I've done the best I can with. It really is a thing, man, and it's at the same time – I want to drive certain features. I want to drive certain value for the audience and I want to be first at certain things. And when it is all humming, it's a really great setup. And for the last five or six years, it has been humming real well. Just we're getting to that
1: point. Yep. I, you know, it's always like the same thing, right? So I'm strongly considering hiring another person again. And it's the same problem. There's a whole lot of more process and, just setting things out because you know when you're working with people you've worked with for years, you you know this. It you kind of they kind of just know what the procedures are and what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm exact same boat as you. Like to set that up right to document those processes and have like an effective onboarding mechanism that makes sense given how much things have changed uh, for the business uh, over the last couple of years. I would have to probably take a week, stop what I'm doing. And set that all up, and then probably at least another week or two weeks to successfully onboard someone. Right?
0: Yeah. It's uh. Oh, and the, and the here's the other problem is when I mention this stuff on air, I usually get inundated with so many DMs that I can't really process it all. So if you have tips, I would like them, but send them in as a boost, support the show, and send them in as a boost, and that way I can divvy it all up. You know, like what do I, what's it called when you not isolation, but I try to. I don't know, I try to have like moments of time where I can time slice for each show. And the problem with a DM, although sometimes they're appreciated, don't get me wrong, I don't get to properly time slice it, right? I have to context shift between shows with DMs and stuff. But with the boosts, it's all all within the time slice when I'm working on Coder.
1: Yeah, DMs are also easy to say, oh, I'll get back to that, then totally forget. Yeah, <laughs> Although that might be who, a mic me? problem.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, who you? Us? No, not not us. <laughs> Ask not what your podcast can boost for you, but what you can boost for your podcast. Yeah, speaking of boost, it is the ad winter. Your support is much appreciated. Fountain FM is a great way to boost, and they're integrated with the Strike app. Strike app is probably one of the easiest ways to grab some sats. You know, you don't have to sit there and become an investor or anything like that. You just grab and send them. It's real easy. It's just a quick exchange. And Sir Alex Gates comes in as our baller this week with 16,000 sats. Hey,
1: rich
0: As in the podcasting, Tudor Consultant came in across two booths and writes, the CUDA lock-in is a big problem and arguably anti-competitive at this rate. He says, yes, alternative hardware does exist. But I agree, Mike. The CUDA lock-in is probably why we're seeing NVIDIA's stock go crazy. Although as we come out, they may have just crashed nice because they're supposed to release their market results today and the expectations are just phenomenal.
1: Yeah, well, hang on. Yahoo Finance.
0: Oh yeah. Let's they do make it right now. The Let's show. do it live.
1: Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where is Nvidia? That CUDA lock in though, you know?
0: That CUDA lock in is maybe their master move. Of-
1: All right. They're they're down four point six ish points.
0: Yeah. 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 Well and they've been on just such a run. Um, you know, they're they're a massive, massive company now. And I think the expectation is that they can't quite keep the hype going, but mm. maybe with that CUDA lock in, they can. Microsoft announced today to kind of uh, twist the knife a little bit that uh, they are investing in their own AI chip to compete with NVIDIA. And they let that one slip today.
1: Ooh.
0: Yeah. It's going to warm up. It's going to get hot. And then you've got Sam, right? Sam wants to make his chips, his $7 trillion idea to make chips. I mean,
1: yeah. I don't understand what the hell is happening with that guy. He's like,
0: it's you know what? You must be this. It's the it's like the art of the deal. It's like Trump style. You ask for seven trillion, you end up with nine hundred billion. You think he's gonna end up with nine hundred billion? I mean, I'm just being I'm just being wild, but
1: no, <laughs> five hundred. So much maybe? money. Yeah, I, I know. I know. I know.
0: I know. It's nuts. Could you imagine? Like
1: when you first told me last week, I thought it was a joke because it's very Doctor Evil, right? Two. In fact, Doctor Evil was much, much more modest. He just wanted one billion dollars. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's bigger than the whole industry. The whole, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's bigger than most most economies around the around the world. It's like the <laughs> GDP of
1: one of our beloved, or actually, a lot more than the GDP yeah. of most <laughs> <Yeah>. European
0: nations. <laughs> 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 bigger than I think. It's, I think if I recall, it was bigger than Germany's. So
1: oh. that tells you
0: something. Um, uh, Alex continues. He is thinking about ordering the visor. Uh, that, that visor.com is the one that's basically like sunglasses. Which one is visor? Now, they have a, it's I think it's visor.com. It's $400. It's not – I don't think necessarily optimized for gaming, but it is optimized for uh, working. Immersed also make the app that I like to bring your screens in. So they're, now they're going to have their own visor. It's tricky because I think it's their first hardware and they're a young company. Uh, and they have a membership program that takes the $900 device down to $400. But I think it expires, as Alex points out, like this Friday. As we record, well, I, I find that to be kind of compelling from a device standpoint. But I feel like it's why not just wait and see where the quest is a sure bet right now. So,
1: yeah. Also, um, if you want to look like Usher, these are definitely the right choice. Yeah.
0: But they're going to be a lot lighter. They're going to be a lot easier for people you work around to adapt to because they just kind of look like big sunglasses.
1: But they look like you saw Blade Runner very recently.
0: Yeah. I. <laughs> but I think it's probably a better look than the snow or than the ski goggles.
1: This is interesting though. They are they are pushing a lot of so they they see this as your new desktop. Yes, right. Are you mirroring right. your computer? Or is that what?
0: It's... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You bring the oh, yeah, screens. Oh yeah. So Windows,
1: Mac, Linux, Mac and Linux.
0: Yep. I've tested. I. That's what uh, this Sunday's LUP was about. Is I brought my plasma desktop into the immersed VR
1: environment. How was how was the performance?
0: What I did, and I don't know how it would work if you did the virtual desktops, but what I did, and it worked really well, is I went on Amazon and bought a three-pack of the DisplayPort dummy adapters. Okay. So Linux thought there was three monitors, and it just mirrored those screens into the VR environment, and it worked like a freaking champ. So what I'm doing now, and I love it, is I've taken one of my Linux workstations, and it's essentially headless, except for it has these dummy adapters, And when I want to access that Linux machine, I just put the headset on. It's a full Linux workstation with GPU and disk, and it runs Nix OS. It's a beast of a box. Well, for me, my systems are old, and it's available on demand when I put the headset on here at the studio. It's actually on tail scale, so maybe I don't think you'd want to use it over that. But
1: is it now? How is like the the text resolution? Could you theoretically code on this and not feel like you're going to throw up?
0: I would. Oh, definitely for a while. This is where I'd like your take. Um, so what I've been using it for mostly is Slack, email, and meetings. I love it for meetings. Love it for meetings. But
1: Yeah, I could see that.
0: Oh, man. It's not perfect solution, but it greatly reduces Zoom fatigue because it's a little bit of a hack. You're on camera, but it's a stupid cartoony emoji version of you. So people can see you, and it nods when you nod. And you're participating in this video call, but you could be a mess. Your room can be a mess. You can be sipping on a drink, you know, smoking a cigar. It doesn't matter. And you, so you get like this relief. A few
1: of those cases seemed real specific there, Chris.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying. I really liked it for the meetings. Um, and Immersed has a really cool virtual camera mode where you can move the camera around inside your virtual environment. It's, it's pretty neat. I would say the text is, in my opinion – a big step up from the Quest 2. Good enough that you can use it for a couple of hours, about as long as the battery lasts. And then you're going to be ready for a break anyways. I think you're going to want a new headset, so go check out the Linux Unplugged show notes because I linked to my two favorite headsets.
1: Now, I don't know. Maybe I should get this instead because I think – I think well, you could tell me. The, the Quest 2 is not uh, – it's not super awesome at text rendering and all the uh, – The
0: 3? The 2 is not. The 3 is better. 3 is better. I don't know these visors. That's what they're built for. They're built for work. Yeah. So we're going to we're going into an era where you're going to have devices that are better at gaming. You're going to have general purpose ones that are kind of in the middle. And then you're going to have like the top tier and you're going to have work specific ones. I would really like to see the visors work because I think overall that's what I'd really like to have is a couple of those for work. Maybe one different headset for gaming. It's a weird future. but You have a couple of days to think about it. There, you know, it could be it could be a while before they they say they say Q one Q two, but again, they're a they're a young company and hardware like this is hard.
1: See, the only thing that makes me or a couple of things lean more towards the the Meta three is one Facebook has shipped you know three of these or four of these now, right? If you count the Pro, and even if the productivity stuff isn't for me, the gaming stuff surely will have some value.
0: Yeah. Yeah, then you should probably go with the Quest, not the Visor.
1: And this is actually more expensive because you have the membership, which basically seems like a glorified payment plan with a couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: Immersed is a good app, so I, I have I have high hopes for their future. And I think that if they can ship that Visor, they're going to have a real good product on their
1: hands. Demo unit?
0: Yeah. I'll If I can get my hands on one, or you can, we'll try it. All sure. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, I'll be, I'll be really interested to know what you think about using the Quest 3 for text and stuff long term.
1: Well, you know, I'm starting to think that, yeah, the future is going to be like you have a visor instead of all these monitors.
0: So. Yeah. 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 I, the 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 people that are really into it, it's it's silly. They just they have a blank desk with a Bluetooth keyboard and mouse that they sit down at and then they just put everything in, in virtually on it.
1: I think it makes a ton of sense, though. I kind
0: of. Yeah, I kind of like it. The one other thing that I think you'll like about the Quest 3 over, say, the Visor or the Apple Vision Pro is you can sideload APKs if you put it in developer mode. So I've sideloaded some emulators and things like that and Slack and Telegram. I have on there a few other apps that are really nice to have, Firefox, things like that. So that's fun. All right. So, all right. We're moving on. Vitamin C++. Nice. Boosted in a row of ducks for the amazing GitLab meetings hack to get his family not to bother me while working.
1: <laughs> oh, I don't know if I feel good about this one. No, oh, no, it's good, it's good, it's good. However,
0: we can be of value. I appreciate that vitamin C Thank you for the road ducks. Ah, <laughs> uh, Tampa Trekkie comes in Ooh. with ten, yeah, ten thousand sets. Tough little ship, little. They right. I managed to get through about half of the first season of Babylon Five. Yes, I'm still working on it for the for the B5 challenge. Uh, since we are sharing favorite sci-fi franchises, I figured I'd share Space Above and Beyond. The show only made it a season, and it's done by the same folks who made X-Files. It's nearly out of print, and it's not available for streaming, but if you can pick up a cheap DVD copy, it's worth your time. You know what, Tampa? That is a great one. I have seen, I saw it when it aired, Space Above and Beyond, and I'll, I'll co-sign that recommendation.
1: I will try to find it then.
0: Retro 1-2, if you can find it, is Space1999. I thought Space Nineteen Ninety Nine was such a cool series, and they had really futuristic but yet realistic starships or spaceships. Spaceship, which I liked. G. Parkin comes in with Spaceballs boost. One, two, three, four, five sets. So the combination is one, two, three, four, five. That's the stupidest combination I ever heard in my life. Ah, they write. I'm sending my favorite pod some support. I just saw the news that Collide has been acquired by One Password. Can't be good news for Jupiter Broadcasting. I know they're one of your few sponsors left. I encourage other
1: coder long-timers
0: to step up and boost in. Thank you. Uh, Shout out to the Commonwealth Saga as well. It's great stuff. Start with Pandora's Star and enjoy.
1: Ah, Peter Hamilton.
0: All right. This is like the third boost or fourth boost talking about Peter Hamilton, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to go pick up the audiobooks after the show, G Parkin'. Yeah, I did hear the news about Collide. That is a it's. We'll see. Uh, They've been a great sponsor to work with. Hopefully they'll keep working with us for a bit because I think it's a good fit. I found somebody who spent time in IT. But uh, thank you for the recommendation on the Commonwealth Saga. I'm going to pick it up. We had a couple other booths below the cutoff. Maryland uh, DJIb came in. DJIb? I don't know. DDIb? I don't know. But they were letting me know about uh, it's almost four hours between Frisco and Austin. See, I got that one wrong. Six booths in total. 41,000 sats. Not not amazing. Lower expectations. But, you know, I'll take it. I'll take it. It's fine. It's fine. It's probably us. It's probably us. It's not you. It's us.
1: Yeah, I, I, I blame you. Uh, thank
0: you, though, everybody who does take time to boost in. We really appreciate that with one of those new podcast apps at podcastapps.com. And thank you, everybody who becomes a member. I think the Jar Jar promo code is live again for a few more redemptions. You can find that at coder.show slash membership. Then you get access to a member version of the show that has no ads and the occasional member special, the Coderly, which will get published right in your feed, and you can download that. So thank you to our boosters and our members. This has been a value for value show. Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you want to send the good peeps before we get on out of here?
1: Uh, Go to alice.dev and i didn't get it up today and please don't clip that drew realize <laughs> what i just said uh but there will be a special coder radio promo Ooh! and that if we get enough maybe i'll do a kickback to the show in the form of peter hamilton audiobooks
0: all right i mean yeah no no just do it do it it's great it's fantastic um you know what we have some links you might like them they're at coder.show slash 558 i'm on weapon x at chris l.a.s the uh, show is at Coda Radio Show, and the network is at Jupiter Signal. They do stuff over there. You probably know that. You probably already followed at this point. So, there. Links to what we talked about. I already said that. The feed's over there. It's on the website. You know about that, too. It's got links. i have probably said that to you. Do you know about the live show? We've been doing it on Tuesdays, but you can always get it on jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. You know,
1: or you
0: can have a pie cake. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. See you next week. Bye-bye.